You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're talking about Sam Raimi's 2009 supernatural thriller, Drag Me to Hell. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian Elkins. With me tonight, Mr. Paul Williams. What's going on, man? So, this is not the first time we have discussed Sam Raimi before. Uh, Sam Raimi directed this film. Uh, I think we've talked about uh, Evil Dead 2. This is definitely on the latter half of his career. This is after, well, this is directly after Spider-Man 3. So, he got all his Spider-Man movies out of the way. And this is, Drag Me to Hell was kind of a big return for the horror community. We were getting Sam Raimi back directing a horror movie for the first time since, uh, I don't know, what are you going to... Can you consider Army of Darkness horror? I don't know of any other horror movies he's done since um, Army of Darkness. But uh, do you consider that Army a horror movie? No, not... I mean, I guess he's got horror elements, but not really. No. That movie's more of a comedy, man, than it's a, it a, a horror. Yeah, this feels definitely for sure like... You know, I don't want to say the scariest movie he's done, because... You know, like, I mean, scary is scary subjective. I know this movie's been criticized of doing a lot of, like, you know, boos and jump scares. And people are saying, like, you know, that's not that's not really scary. I think that's a little unfair for this film. I do think there's a lot more to it than yeah. that. Um, but, I mean, this is really Sam Raimi's, like, it, it is his big return. And it, it is, in, it's combined somewhere in between Evil Dead 2 and, uh, and the first Evil Dead, you know? It's, it's just done better, man. Like, he's gotten... He's got a lot of experience since he did those Evil Dead yeah, movies. This movie, this movie looks looks really good. Like it flows very well. You know, the, the direction is like like you like you just said. You can really tell that he he's gotten a lot of experience. You know, since directing Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness. Yeah, Sam Raimi. Um, he you know he did a little soul searching. He got started in horror. Uh, and then after after he did horror, then he you know he just did some other kind of uh, non genre specific movies. He did Kevin Costner's For Love of the Game, A Simple Plan, which is great, The Gift, which is kind of a, a supernatural horror thriller. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, she uses her psychic ability to solve a murder, you know, and it is a murder yeah. mystery. Like that, I think the the whole movie is like yeah, who kills. It's yeah, it's definitely a murder mystery. Uh... From what I remember, because I haven't seen it in a really long time, but from what I remember, it's not a horrible film. Oh, no, I really like The Gift, man. I don't think that's horrible at all. Another thing about Drag Me to Hell is it 
you can also still tell that it's Sam Raimi because it, it has a lot of like, like you were saying, jump scares and everything else. But the one thing that I, that I really thought was weird because, you know, this movie came in a PG 13 and an unrated version, by the way, which one did you watch? I, I watched both for this podcast. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Cause I wanted to see which was the difference. And I mean, there's really not that big of a difference except there's a little bit more, there's more blood and stuff in the unrated version. There's but more I mean, blood really and like that. ooze. You know what I mean? It's not, it, yeah. it's not like you're really yeah. seeing a whole lot. Cause n- nothing really terrible happens in this movie. Like the only way people die are they, they get dragged to hell. That's, that's it. It's not, it's not gruesome. Yeah. There's no, uh, Oh no, there's no dismembering. <laughs> there's no chainsaws involved. You now know, there's, no a, there's a lot of stuff. ooze and a lot of oh, just gross saliva and like uh, vomit. And, yeah. Oh, just all kinds of bodily fluids in this movie. If you, uh, have a problem with like bodily fluids and stuff like that. Yeah. This might bother you watching this movie. Um, yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's a total understatement. It, it, it was really good to also see Sam Raimi come back to the horror genre. No, th- I mean, this was, this was a big return for him. He got a pretty big budget at the time, 30 million budget of 30 million. That's, that's a lot. 2009. Uh, it's not Spider-Man, but yeah, it doesn't need to be, you know. Especially for a horror film, man. Yeah. But I mean, this didn't really do. It did forty-two million, which you know, it's, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not great either. Uh, it no. made ninety million worldwide, so it made its money back for sure. It was profitable, no argument there. Not really the return to horror, you know, that you would expect from Sam Raimi. I mean, you know, I know a lot of a lot of his fans don't really like this movie. Yeah, I've actually read read um, complaints and stuff like this, like that about Drag Me to Hell. To be honest with you, when I first watched the movie, I really didn't care for it that much. It, it's okay. It's not. It's not that good. I mean, it's not that bad. It's not that good. But you know, it's 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 okay. It had been a while since I had actually watched it. Watch it for the podcast and. Yeah, man, I actually really kind of found a a new respect and a different view of this movie. I really enjoy it a lot. Well, just for curiosity's sake, like, what was what was the thing that turned you off the first viewing? Yeah, when I first saw it, I think my biggest problem with it was was the fact that I was expecting it to be something a little something different than it actually was. Because there was kind of like a lot of hype built up around it, you know, about Sam Raimi returning to horror, and this was supposed to be, you know, this great horror film and everything else. Another thing, you know, this is like even though they have an unrated version, this is still a PG thirteen movie, you know. Whereas in Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and even Army of Darkness, none of them were rated PG thirteen. Well, that's not fair though. Like, Drag Me to Hell. It, it it has that rating because it doesn't really need to do anything else. Like, I think everything that's written in the script is presented in the most deliberately, almost comically upfront, over-the-top, gross manner. Like, even the old lady who gets introduced in the beginning, like, when she's taking her teeth out, it's so disgusting. I don't have a problem with the rating at all because it, it doesn't impact. Like, the script doesn't dictate that this should have the same amount of gore and violence as Evil Dead. That's very true. And like I said, I mean, I, I really, now I don't have a problem with it, you know. But like I said, when I first saw the movie, it was just like, it's not horrible, but it's 
not all that good. You know, a lot of fans don't like this film, and you know, I mean, it's interesting that you didn't like it in the beginning. You know, the first time you saw it, so yeah, I think that's insane, and... dude. I mean, this dude, this is one of my favorite Sam Raimi films, dude. In fact, this is my favorite directed Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, I mean, like I said, going back, going back, I'm watching it now um, for the podcast, and also being as I haven't seen it in, a, in quite a while. You know, man, I, I really, really enjoy this movie. And there's, I, I really enjoy the way it's shot. I really, really enjoy the score, man. The score was absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, it's got a nice... Score was done by, yeah, the score was done by a guy named Christopher Young. The Hellraiser composer, dude. I mean, it's got a Hellraiser feel to it. It's, you know, it's nice, super dark, super over the top, but... It works. Yeah. I mean, you know, that it fits the tone of this movie very well. It goes uh, to those big highlighted like, moments where it's like, wow, and it gets huge. And, you you know, you see these big set pieces that they have. But then it also does a really good job of building those scares, you know, where Sa Sam Raimi will go and he'll, he'll tilt the lens. So he'll have this candid shot and you'll go into an actor. And uh, there's a lot of times where the main uh, Christine, where she'll turn – start turning around and the camera is, is creeping up behind her as she's turning yep. to look into the camera. It's, it's a lot of stuff like that. Um, and the music accents Sanders. those notes. Well, big fan of the music here, man. Um, you know, and he met this guy uh, on Spider-Man three because, you know, uh, Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman had that, had that falling out. Danny Elfman did the first two Spider-Man movies. They had a falling out, what they call creative differences. Um, you know, they, they said some words in public. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is stuff you guys can go, you know, you can go read uh, gossip stuff in your own time. Um, so he, he worked with Christopher Young on that third Spider-Man movie. And he's bringing him yeah. back for this. Uh, very different movie. But, you know, I like his work. I liked his, I liked his score in Spider-Man 3. In fact, that's, that was probably my favorite thing about Spider-Man 3 was music. Anyway, let's talk about a way better movie. So uh, yeah, so the cinematographer, um, man who shot it, Peter Dimming, did a, did a good job. Uh, this guy worked for you know he did a lot of Lynch projects, uh, Mulholland Drive, yeah. did some Twin Peaks. Uh, of course, you know I know him from Scream Two and Scream Three, and I believe he shot Scream Four as well. I have to check on that. Don't quote me on that. There's lots and lots and lots of shadows in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I think this movie is is lit really well. Everything in this movie is all around solid. Um, even the cast, the main actress who plays Christine, man, like, dude, I have never, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. Allison uh, Lohman. And then, you know, yeah, Justin Long, I think, was the only guy that I even recognized in this thing. David Payman, he plays the bank manager. Yeah, he's, he's the, yeah, he's the boss of the bank. And uh, Stewart, the main actress's arch nemesis. To the assistant manager's position. That actor, he also plays in uh, that NBC show, Grimm. He plays as uh, Sergeant Wu. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you had to bring up. He had to bring up Grimm. I, you know, if there's like, I feel like there's an anime connection you know about, or like a TV. Paul's like, man, you know, I'm gonna bring up my TV shows, bitch, because I don't get to talk about them. <laughs> well, only I only brought, so I brought it up. Hey, I wasn't like it wasn't like I just randomly brought the shit up. You know, I, I brought it up in context of the movie. Oh so, man, yes. Benson just has got to bring up Pearl Jam all the time, and you know, 
I guess I got to bring up Star Wars in the Dark Knight every so often, but you know, hey, whatever. We all have our weaknesses, bro. It's cool. It's cool. Damn, Skippy. Dude. <laughs> all right. Damn. Um, I'm kind of ex- I'm I'm kind of scared to say this guy's name, Dilip Brow. I'm sorry. I, we're probably butchering that, but man, he was great. The fortune teller guy. Um, I loved all his little um <laughs> little mannerisms throughout. And dude, did oh, you yeah. see the uh, his shop? The CDs that were in in the glass shelves. Did you see those? Where he, it's actually a picture of him, and he's like strumming on some ukulele or something, and he's like on a beach, yeah. and it looks like one of those terrible, like you know, uh, love song compilations, <laughs> you know, oh, albums God. with like the sunset in the background, with the clouds and the sun rays peeking through, and. I just thought that was a. It's just a funny detail. I think I missed the first time I saw the movie. I definitely, I did. De- I definitely didn't catch that first viewing. Like he's tried everything. Like I've done everything from cooking to release my own ukulele album. Now I'm just gonna, you know, try my hand at being a psychic. See how that shit goes over for me. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's a nice Raimi touch, man. You know, he just <laughs> he just puts things in movies sometimes where you're like. You know, that, it doesn't have to be in there, but I'm I'm glad you took those two seconds to show me that in a shot. Let's play the trailer and uh, let, let's get into it here, man. Mr. Jax, I was wondering if you'd made any decision regarding the assistant manager's position. It's between Stu and yourself. Stu Rubin, the new guy? Stu's someone who's not afraid to make the tough decisions. I'm perfectly capable of making the tough decisions. I'll let you know as soon as I decide, okay? Will you help me? Please. Okay. We have an elderly woman asking for an extension on her mortgage payment. We would have to throw her out of her house. We've already granted her two extensions. It's a tough decision. Your call. Another extension is out of the question. Where will I live? I'm really sorry. Never have I begged for anything. But now, I humble myself before you. I beg you. Please let go. Please let go. Someone has cursed you. He's the Lamia, the most feared of all demons. For the first three days, the spirit torments its victims. After that, it will come to take you. Take me where? To burn in hell for eternity. All right, so that was the trailer for Drag Me to Hell. Man, this opening opening sequence here, we got a little we got a little prologue. I really like the design of the mansion and yeah, this, uh, this poor little kid, man, there's a curse that's been put on him because he stole a seal, a silver necklace. Yeah. It's, it's It's a little, it's a little extreme. It is no, you know, there's no denying that they go, these gypsies go a little crazy in this movie with their curses. You know, it's like, Oh, that's hard. (laughs) Wait, you stared at me wrong. Oh, cursed. You're cursed. They they go curse happy. Yeah, you farted when you walked by me. I curse you. Uh, and you know you're right about the house. The house does have a lot of character. This is you know setting you up um for the demon, the curse, this witch doctor, or she's a bruja. What what the hell's a bruja? Is a is a Spanish witch. Ball damn. 
this exorcism. Well, I mean, it's not even an exorcism. It didn't even really get to that point. No, it didn't. How this boy, he get the way he gets thrown off the balcony. They do, they do have nice, a nice little hint. They don't show the complete person or this little boy being drugged to hell. It's done no. with shadows um, on the wall, and we mostly get to see the the gypsy woman or the uh, you know whatever the the psychic spiritual lady. We get to see her reaction to it. I, I like this because it saves it saves that visual for later in the movie. You get to experience the horror of it then, as opposed to now. Because the uh, one scene where he's you know they got him on the floor in like the room and she's doing the shit with the sage or whatever, and there's that stained glass skylight above him. Oh yeah, like all the you can the see hands, the hands, you know, like the shadow hands. Um, yeah, I mean, but you know, this prologue, it, it gets the job done so we can get onto our, our, our story, which is, uh, man, poor, this poor woman, Christine, she has a rough, tough life. She seems like to be like this, like, I think there's one line that said in the movie, it's like, yeah, you used to be fat, didn't you? Her, her character, you can kind of tell has been put down or like belittled and she's almost like skittish. And mousy, kind of. You know, when they showed that picture of her, too, later on, and he's like, oh, yeah, used to be a fat girl. I was like, man, that's what passed as fat back then? I mean, dude, I mean, <laughs> I was a way chunkier kid. Well, that you know, it's part of the thing, right? She's really hard on herself. Um, she And she wants to be a good person, and she she is a good person. Everything that we've see, seen her do, she's good at her job. She works really hard at her job. But, you know, her her boss does kind of play like this this. And she he puts her in this competition between uh, her and her Asian coworker, who is a man, and yeah. he keeps implying he has these kind of offhanded sexist remarks, where where it's like you know sometimes you got to make these tough decisions like a man can, honey. <laughs> and they like they have that conversation. He's like, there's even the scene where he like asks her to go get a sandwich, and then the other guy comes up, uh, it's the stew character, and he's like, yeah, you can go get me one too. Kind of. Douche. And then and then when she gets back, he, he makes the comment about the mayonnaise. I thought I asked for mayo on this. May, he makes you sick. He, he's kissing so much ass. Just a douchebag of the character. The yeah, and then he gives the tickets to, like, the bank manager. This is what she's putting up with in her life, you know? Like, yeah, her life is not terrible, but it's not where she wants it. And she's working really hard to get it there. Like, even when she goes and she meets, like, her terrific um, boyfriend, played by Justin Long. Even though you can tell, like, that aspect of her life is going really well. When she leaves, you know, he has that conversation, and he's talking to his mom on the phone. Oh, dude, isn't his mom a a bitch? She's an entitled rich chick, you know? Like, that old money. So unless you have a million dollars in a giant mansion, they look down on you like you're less than they are because you're nothing but servant material. I know the fact that, like, she comes from a farm. And they bring that up like that's like it's it's such a terrible thing. It's just like oh my goodness, it's like it's like the ghetto. Yeah, she comes from the farm. And she was a fat chick when she was little. This is like man, it's it's just a farm. I mean, you know, it's she's getting all all this hate and everything and judgmental just eyeballs on her. Like from every moment in her life, from every facet of her life, she's getting judged, and she's trying to get ahead and she's trying to do the right thing. So that way, when Mrs. Ganoche or Ganache comes in, you kind of understand why she does what she she's doing here. 
it, it's like almost like you can tell she really doesn't want to do it. Like she doesn't really want to foreclose on this lady's on this lady's home, but at the same time, you know, she she does want to prove that she's capable of handling a tough situation. That's right, making those <laughs> just like a man would make making, making, yeah, making those man making decisions. And you know they they do yeah, a good job. Uh, like Ganache, Mrs. Ganache is extremely unpleasant when she's coming in. I mean, she looks kind of monstrous when she comes in. She looks like a creepy old lady. She looks like a creepy old gypsy lady. And when she goes and she talks to her boss about uh, trying to get a, another extension, trying to do this third extension, while while she's doing that, Mrs. Ganache is taking out her dentures. It's like, do you really have to take your dentures out to eat a freaking piece of candy? What was great is that that candy was so good. Like she ends up, she like takes the whole candy, the candy, the whole candy oh, yeah, jar, yeah, and dumps she, it into her purse. They kind of make her unlikable. They do a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Okay, they, Paul. They I mean, like you're telling me if some old lady came up to your desk and started taking well, out I her mean, dentures, I think they they do make her character a bit sympathetic. You almost kind of do feel like when she when she gets down on her like her hands and knees and she starts begging. Please help me, I beg of you. And then, yeah, you do. You, I mean, or at least I did. I felt a little sympathetic toward her, man. Oh, no, I think you feel, well, I think you're supposed to feel sympathy for both of these characters, you know? Like, I understand yeah, yeah. where both of these people are coming from. Like, I don't want this old lady to be kicked out of her house. That'd be terrible, you know? Nobody wants that. The Christine character is actually trying to, to get that loan extension, you know, and it's not until the assistant manager job could be taken from her if she messes this up. She's got a chance to grab the brass ring. It's either grab the brass ring or don't. Having her calls for security was that that's probably a little bit a little much. I mean, it is an old lady. You know, I know she yeah. was like grabbing at your skirt and everything, but you know, that that, that was probably she a little much. Looking, she does get, yeah, and she does get some really sharp, dirty ass fingernails. You could possibly get an infection if she scratched you. She has not cleaned them things in a while, man. This all this all leads to the parking deck attack scene. I guess the first part where we get some humor in here, and this attack, like yeah. there's there's some really good blows that are landed, some really good facial expressions. Oh, the, the stapler. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Christine takes the stapler because you know she's trying to attack her to grab a piece of piece of her clothing or some kind of possession that she has so she can place this curse on her. But man, I mean, Christine fights yeah. back the entire time. Yeah, she's 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 viewing it as as she's she's just completely being attacked. Well, I mean that's that's what you think too. In the first time you watch the movie, yeah, this this old lady has seriously done went you know batshit crazy. If somebody were to come and say, "Man, you know, we're gonna kick you out of your house. You have to leave your home after it's been your home the vast majority of your life," you would think that somebody would go a little little batshit crazy. Maybe you'd have to do something pretty extreme. For me to be like, I yes, this person's soul needs to be damned to hell for all eternity. That, that's just a little extreme. All eternity. Uh, yeah. So you know, we we're talking about those some of those Sam Raimi uh, flourishes. I think my favorites when uh, her dentures finally get like popped out of her mouth <laughs> when her face gets slammed up against uh, the, the car. The old lady does, and Christine Christine's hit her in the face with the fucking stapler and then stapled her eyes shut. I love the scene right before the impact. She opens her eye and you see the stapler fling out. Exactly. Those, yes. You know, it's got so many of these Sam Raimi flourishes in here. Like his style, his crazy close-ups. Definitely. This film moves really, really fast after this attack scene. 
And then the next thing you know, she's on the street. She gets the gust of wind, a weird feeling, and then she's in right away to the fortune teller. Oh, and I love that shot. I love that shot right there, man, with the um, when her or, her or her and her fiance are walking down the street and that gust of wind comes up. Like, I love the leaves. And I think that just looks, it's amazing. You, you know, that's when we find out that, yes, she's being attacked by this demon called the Lamia that's going to torture her for three days. And then after the third day, it's going to drag her to hell. You know, it plays this whole, you know, do we believe it kind of on the first day and her boyfriend, you know, he never accepts it, but he does always support her crazy decisions. Yeah. Like, I don't know if a girl I've been dating for a year, if she came to me and was like, yeah, you know, I need $10,000 for this spiritual seance to get this demon to stop harassing me. Sure, babe. Let's uh, let's just give you ten grand here, honey. For ten grand, yeah, you better be flying around the room, okay? Like, I better be seeing some crazy shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before we go before we go that route, okay? I'm just saying, you know. But yeah, there better be some serious shit going on. And man, I really like the the scare scenes. Like Mrs. Ganache keeps coming back. There's one scene that I really like a lot, man. Where she's like, I think she's looking through the camera on her phone. And then you see this like shadow come up in front of her and then it shows like a real quick picture of like the camera view on the phone and it's a piss- picture of G- Ms. Ganache on there. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I really like almost all of them. The only one I really have a problem with, the only attack scene or nightmare sequence I, I kind of dislike is when she's out in the shed and uh, she's looking for things to sell, you know, to get the 10 grand. Yeah. And, and she pulls back yeah. one curtain and then she just jumps out. And there's some CGI effects. That's the thing, too. There's a lot of CGI in this movie. Not all of it is bad, but some of it is. Like some of the eye-popping um, stuff. and Yeah, some of it, some of it is kind of not that great looking. But, I mean, overall, you know, I think the vast majority looks pretty good, though. So, I guess, story-wise, you know, Christina, like, she goes and she tries to meet Ganache. Uh, and she's dead. So, she can't lift the curse. Yeah, it's like isn't that a isn't that a bitch? She, she she basically ruins this woman's entire funeral. Oh, yeah, the embalming her. Oh, that is disgusting when the embalming fluid comes out of the gypsy woman's like oh corpse and just oh god, it just goes all over her face. Uh, that was that was really nasty. It it is funny at the really? same time though. You you do want to laugh at it. You want to you know you want to you want to vomit and laugh. This chick has just like the worst luck ever. So yeah, she goes back to her uh, spiritual advisor, you know, because uh, the demons punched her in the face at this point. Um, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's starting to manifest itself in, in really terrible ways. Yeah, it gets so bad that she has to sacrifice her cute little kitty. Oh yeah, she yeah she does. She sacrifices the cat and buries it in the backyard. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a cat guy. I'm I'm more of a dog person, but that cat is pretty fucking cute. Yeah, me too. After she does the blood sacrifice, she thinks that the demon's gone. Maybe she appeased yeah. this Lamia. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about her boyfriend, Clay, and the parents. Uh, they have a, they have a little yeah. dinner party. And, uh, man, she ends up coming off a, a little, little crazy by the end of the scene. Yeah, she does come off as a little crazy, but man, it's his mom come off as a royal bitch. Like, his dad's not so bad. 
you know, but his mom, dude, his, his mom is like, wow, she did, you can tell she just does not like Christina. Okay, I will say, to be fair, like, that is how she comes off at the beginning. You know, like, you are the girl that's dating my son. No woman will ever be good enough yeah. for my little boy. Especially a girl that brings, you know, her soon-to-be future mother-in-law a plate of food that looks like cow dung covered in frosting. What? Dude, the kids, that cake look awesome. I eat the shit out of that cake. What are you talking about? Damn, the yeah, cake discriminating can, over we, here. We, You're like, man, I got, my cake has got to be perfectly frosted. My, discriminating my ass. Do you think this rich this rich woman looked down her nose on that shit? <laughs> like, yes, I'm not going to eat your disgusting looking confections. Pa, I think, I think you're getting a little hung up on her her snootiness because I think by the end of the the end of the scene that starts to fade away, man. Yeah, it does. Like, it does. I mean, I think I think you I think you're you're you need to let that go, man. I, she she rubbed you the wrong way. She did rub me the wrong way. But I mean, by the end of the scene, like Christina rises to the occasion, and uh, I forget no. what she says, but I think she owns up to the fact that yeah, you know, like I was on a farm. My mom's an alcoholic, and you know, Clay's mom's like, oh wow, I appreciate your honesty, and they immediately start talking about all the bad ex girlfriends. So it's it's awesome because the minute she gets her foot into the door, she's almost part of the family. They're accepting of her. Conversations started, and then that demon starts fucking with her. I, I do enjoy the scene, you know, with with the parents and everything else. Um, you kind of get to see Clay's background and kind of where he comes from a little bit. So you get you get a little bit of an opening on on his character and a little bit of information on him. You know, like I said, I'm, I mean, I know I was kind of harping on the mom and everything, but I think, I, I mean, I do agree with you. By the time the end, by the time the end of the scene comes along, you know, it, it is a good scene. She ends up throwing a glass yeah. at the door and uh, it doesn't end well. She looks, she looks nuttier than squirrel shit. So then she goes and she pawns everything to r- try to raise 10,000 for this, this exorcism. Now we're going back to the house from the prologue. And we also have the the original psychic Bruja lady from the beginning. And there's this, who's the other guy? Like the, the other guy that just, that's just randomly. He's, there. he's just the goat slaughterer, dude. He's just, that's as far as I can <laughs> tell. Yeah. Like that's his job. He's like, I, I hold the machete. All right. And I help during the seance. And man, when that goat's going to get possessed, I'm going to sl- fucking slaughter the shit out of that goat. Damn right. How do you like your demon lamb chops cooked? I like a medium rare. This is the only time he's in the whole damn movie, and and he's supposed to kill the goat, and he fouls that all up and just possessed his own damn self. Man, I dude, okay, I like this scene. Now this this is where I think it goes complete. Ramy, he dials it up a lot here. Like you would think that they're just going straight for the demon, but there are these other ghosts that appear in the room. Um, that one comes out with the umbrella. Man, that's. Stuff starting to move in the room, cup chandeliers, you know, stuff getting thrown everywhere, and you know, kind of vamps up in intensity. And as as the scene progresses, and it is a little creepy when that damn goat goat gets possessed, though. Even when Shauna or Shawnee gets possessed, whatever the psychic lady, uh, and she's got the the teeth and the eyes, and how that how all that makeup looks, I thought it was man, I thought that was it's unsettling. But then when it goes to the goat, it's. Yeah. I, the 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 possessed goat is pretty funny. It is funny, you know, but it's still, man. Like I don't know, I, I kind of found that a little unsettling too. No, yeah, it's like the what is it, uh, the deer head in um, Evil Dead Two with the white eyes? You know, it's like yeah, it's 
it's creepy, but at the same time, it's creepy but funny. It's, funny. it's that weird. It's that weird mixture that only you know that I've only seen Sam Raimi be able to pull off. All right, the goat's not Black Phillip, but the goat the goat's pretty funny though. But yeah, and then the the guy ends up machete guy that was that was there to slaughter the goat. He ends up getting possessed and ruining the whole fucking thing. And then basically, he just turns and starts attacking. You know, everybody else. And the thing is, man, like how he found, if I'm not mistaken, how he fucks up attacking the goat is the goat, like, I think bites him. If I'm not mistaken, the goat, the goat, like, bites him on the fucking hand and then, then he, he gets he, like, drops the machete. Yeah. Well, the goat yeah, bites like, him, like, the goat, I guess if you touch another living thing, like, the demon just gets forced into that. It doesn't have to be yeah. a person because they transfer it to the goat and then it goes from the goat back to the, another person. So I guess that's the rule there, yeah. and they, they seem to be fairly consistent with it. I also kind of thought it was really weird, but kind of cool when uh, the one the, the goat slaughterer when he gets possessed, and then there, there's a shot where he's like kind of over the table, and there's like a fire on the table, and he's sitting there kind of dancing. It, it almost sounds like Eastern European folk music being played. <laughs> Once Machete Guy starts getting possessed, uh, the the scene starts taking a, a route straight for comedy at this point. Yeah, it, it kind of does. Yeah, it, it kind of does. It stops being scary, and it's 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 pretty funny. Once again, kind of going with with Raimi and everything, it has this little bit of over the top cornball humor, and then like what's up with that 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 red CGI blood that that the goat slaughter dude just like spews forth out his mouth uh to get you know to get the demon out of you you know you just you got to vomit up some red crap i mean that's what happened in poltergeist 2 man when the dad from poltergeist 2 when he was possessed with that like uh tequila worm right he had to go vomit it up then he was good it's just it's what you do man yeah man like and, and as for like deaths in this movie i can only really think of like four actual deaths in this movie yeah uh four four Okay, yeah, okay. You're you're counting um you're counting Mrs. Ganache in there, I take it. I mean she yeah. told you at the beginning well, of the movie, okay. like once you kick me out of my house, where am I gonna go? I have nowhere to go, you're gonna kill me. I mean she was right, it killed her. Yeah. She didn't even have to get yeah, kicked out of the did. house. <laughs> did you notice yeah. that? Like, wasn't that her house that she showed up at? It's like, wait, why why did you die? Or was that was that her uh yeah. was that her daughter's I house? Thought that was her daughter. Yeah, it I was her daughter's was her house. Daughter. You know, you're right. It just it threw me yeah, for a loop because her car was there. Oh, did you notice her car is the Evil Dead Two? Yeah, I did an Evil Dead car. car. Yeah, I noticed that that was the same evil, the same car from Evil Dead. I did notice that. I hear that shows up so in all Sam Raimi's movies. The Evil Dead Two car makes its makes its debut again. So the the psychic lady yeah. she ends up dying, banishing that spirit. Yeah, the blue house. Well, they, they make it out like she does, like a heart attack. Well, yeah, it's like. Uh, like a Max, Max von uh, Sydow's character in The Exorcist, right? You know, like he, he just after yeah. the battle, you know, he just died. Well, he dies before the battle's even over. But oh, spoiler yeah, for The Exorcist! Damn it! But anyway, I mean, come on, that movie's old. If you haven't seen it yet, like, come on, get off your ass and, and watch it right now. What's wrong with you? But yeah, it's, you seen it yet, you deserve it to be spoiled for you. Well, no, nobody deserves to have The Exorcist spoiled for them. That's not true. You know, I feel like if you're watching Drag Me to Hell, you definitely should have already seen The Exorcist first. Uh, I definitely have to agree with that one. 
But uh, you know, hey, sometimes uh, you know we we do dumb things. I mean, I I've, I saw aliens before I saw alien. You know, that kind of makes me an idiot. What are you gonna do? So Shawnee dies, the spirit medium, yes. or or your bruja, as you like to say. She passes, and yeah. the, you think the movie's kind of over at this point. But then the guy, he's just pretty much just straight up like, no man, this isn't this isn't over. She just banished no. the Lamia from the circle. That Lamia is still coming for you, and that's when he finally drops the 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 last piece of the knowledge. Bomb. Yeah, like you can give the button, the cursed object, to somebody else, and the Lamia will come for them instead. What does she decide she wants to go and do? She's gonna go dig up the old gypsy woman. Oh no, no! Uh, before she digs up the old gypsy woman, she just sits in a restaurant. Oh yeah, and contemplates uh, who to give the button to. Yeah, she does. And man, I thought it was so fucked up when she saw that old man on a breathing machine and she starts walking toward him. I was like, hold up, hold up. It's not the fact that you're going to kill this person. You're also taking their soul and damning it to hell forever. Why are you giving it to the old guy? Just because he's old? (laughs) Just because he's almost dead? You think his soul needs to go to hell forever? It's like, what the hell, woman? Yeah, because because he's going to die already. Go give it to like a like, like Charles Manson or you know like give it to a crazy serial killer that's murdered like a bajillion people or you know dig up Hitler's body give that fucking button to his ass. Oh, she tries to give she tries to give the button to Stewart. She calls him up <laughs> and gets. He calls him up to the restaurant <laughs> to get him. To, yeah, and he's like crying his eyes out immediately right away yeah. she she kind of fucking has this moment of like empathy towards him and doesn't give him the button since he's you know just such a loser and a coward yeah he, like, he, you're just such a loser you're such a loser and coward that i won't even give you this button that will save me and condemn you to hell <laughs> he has he has that one line where it makes him seem like a child where he's like please don't tell my dad and it's like well, yeah, how yeah, old are you me. It's like, damn, dude. Do you live with your parents, man? Like, you look like you're in your 30s. You, you still live at home with your mom and dad. That's how you can afford those tickets to give to the boss, man, because you went and bought them. They, they weren't given to you. You went and bought them. <laughs> it's a moment of weakness. Personally, if I was her, I would have given them just do. I would have given him that button and just been yeah. like, you know, look, we're now we're done here. Because he omits when, or no, she figures out rather than that, he took this account of this she's putting together this loan for this company and he took it and all the paperwork and sold it to another bank and she's kind of figured that out i mean he's yeah. he's so scared she should have completely given him that button oh at that point in time she should have totally given him the button but she doesn't but she does get a really good idea of who to give the button to she goes and meets with her spiritual advisor yeah. again and she's like hey can i give it to a dead person she decides to give the button to Miss Ganache. So she goes and finds out where she's buried. And she goes and decides she's going to dig her up. Just so happens as she's digging her up, you know, big ass flood comes. Torrential downpours fills the grave up with water. You know, I know this is supposed to be like the third act in the climax of the movie. But it almost feels like this point she has like this final battle or this final showdown with Miss Kanasha's dead corpse floating in a water-filled grave. You can probably read this in a script, and, you know, the flourishes that Sam Raimi adds to it. Because, yeah, I mean, she's just going yeah. to dig up a body, throw a button in there, and leave. But it is played 
I mean, it's it's very theatrical. It's very over the top. Like when she shows up, it's night. It's a thunderstorm. It is raining, you know, and she's digging the hole. Yeah. She she does the formal gift giving, and yeah, right, right. Like oh, that water starts filling that thing up, and has a nice little um, poltergeist homage. The mom and poltergeist is in the in the pool, the hole where the pool is going to be, and the skeletons start rising up. Very reminiscent of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, really, what's yeah, happening? Say- like what they put on the screen, uh, and dude, they do a really good job. I mean, it does feel like the final, the closeout of the film. It's kind of a little weird that she's kind of like having the final showdown in the movie against the corpse. You know, it's not even animated. Well, at the same time, you know, I think I think the water and all the mud and everything else is really at this point in time her bigger adversary more than Ganesha's body just floating around and you know in the water. And there's always this presence too, like you kind of feel like the demon's going to try to stop her from doing this. Um, but, yeah. well, you know, we didn't yeah. mention that because like even in the séance um, exorcism scene, like. The demon's just like, no, I want, actually, I want you. I've come for you, Christine. And, like, vomits up the cat. Like, I don't want your blood offering here. Oh, yeah, yeah. You feel like this constant force is is out there to stop her from, from uh, attempting this goal. Um, there's even, like, a little uh, handkerchief that comes up and tries to go down her throat and, you know, choke her. Anything to stop her yeah, from giving this yeah. this button away. So there is a little bit of that danger to add in. It's not just like, oh, I got to go throw a button in a grave and that's it. Yeah, there is. I mean, the demon, you know, like you were saying, the demon is trying, still trying to stop her. She shoves the piece of paper with the button in it in Ms. Ganesha's mouth. The whole scene ends and she goes home, she takes her shower and brand new day starts. You well, know? yeah, you think this is the wrap up for the film. Uh, she was talking about going away you know, with Clay for a weekend trip. You think the film is going to climax with Clay asking uh, Christine to marry him because he busts out a diamond ring. She gets a new coat on the way to the train station. Uh, and, you know, one thing we, we kind of we kind of left out here was that Clay had a uh, coin that was in a white envelope. And she put her button, her cursed object, in a very similar-looking white envelope. It's in the middle of the movie. And the minute that she put her button in the envelope, I kind of knew. I knew they were going to do some yeah. kind of switch or something. But I'll be honest with you, man. Like After that climax, I I was ready for the. I was like, yeah, you know, this kind of seems where the movie's going to end. I didn't see the this end. This, this final, final act of this movie did not see it coming at all. No, I actually did not either. Not in the moment, um, you know? Really, to be honest with you, it kind of caught me off guard, especially when they're standing there on the train platform and he pulls out the envelope, reaches in and grabs the button that's in it. And he's like, oh, it must have got switched. And then you start seeing her reaction. I, I knew when I, when I watched it, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I actually thought you were going to, you know, you were going to be okay here, Christine. You know, I, I, th- I thought everything was going to work out good for you. Nah, just the run of mill of your shit stick look. She does. You don't really get a lot of time to process this either. Like, that button comes up and, you know, like no. you said, you have like the, oh, no. You have that time to have that reaction in your brain. And then she's on the train tracks. Clay reacts to that. Man, I I thought this was a great way to end the film. She just she gets dragged to hell by CGI devil hands. 
I mean, it's it's CGI, but man, you know what? I didn't mind it because I thought this was just terrifying imagery. I still think it looks good. I mean, it's, it still looks good. It looks, it looks, I mean, compared to some of the other CGI in this movie, I think this end scene where she actually gets drugged to hell looks, looks really good. Well, I mean, Sam Raimi's really good at setting up, uh, you know, sequences. I think this is my favorite in the movie. It happens so fast where she, you know, falling down on the train tracks, him reacting to the, the train coming. And you think the train is, is going to run her over, but no, she's being, being pulled down to hell while this train's going by. And he, you can still see it as, as the train's going. So you can't see it all the time. It's like this shutter effect, you know? It, it's good. And then, and then to end on uh, her boyfriend Clay's reaction of just, just sitting there, man, with that tear in his eye. He has no idea what the fuck he just saw. It's a good way to end the movie. But at the same time, it's just like, you really do feel sorry for her character, you know, the, the Christina character. So what was it about this ending that, uh, that you didn't like um, first viewing, man? Well, because, I mean, like I said, man, you you want her to you want her to win. You want her to live. You don't you don't want to see this girl drugged to hell. And then when it kind of happens, just like you said earlier, that the, the sequence kind of happens so quickly, it's just like. I was kind of hoping it was going to end on a high note because it makes you think that it's going to end on a high note. And then I uh, know I would definitely just, say that this ends on a high note. I would say this is a high note, dude, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a high note. But like, not, I mean, it's a horror like, movie. Like, okay. I mean, that's what I think so yeah. great about it. It's PG 13 horror. How many PG 13 horror films do you see in this way? I mean, with your main character, especially after just when she shows up at the train station and like just a minute before this happens, she even says something like, you know, I could have, I could have granted Mrs. Ganache a a third extension on her mortgage. And I chose not to. And it's, you know, and and her boyfriend's like, man, you're such a good person. And it's like, yeah, you are, you know, it's like, yeah, you could have did that, you know, but you didn't. And you know, that is your job. And yeah, you know, the punishment does not fit the crime, but you know, Hey, that's, it is a horror movie, you know. It it's it's supposed to be bad. I I love that, man. I think that's. I wish more horror films would would take risk like this and and do things to their characters yeah. like this, you know. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I guess that's kind of one of the things that I really I kind of felt was like um, a bit of a turnoff about the movie. Now going back and rewatching it again, like I actually enjoy that. Like I, I enjoy the way it ends. Even though it kind of it kind of ends with all her efforts being completely futile, it, it still does end with one last good punch. It works very very well. I, I really liked it, and of course, you know, right after drug down, you get Clay's tear faced, and then poof, title card, drag me to hell. That is thus end. Paul, what did what did you think of Drag Me to Hell, man? Would you recommend this movie? Like I said, when I first saw it. It was just kind of to me, but going back and watching it for this podcast, I I looked at it in a different uh, different light. It, it really is a good movie. It, it's it's a it's a lot better of a movie than I originally gave it credit for. I enjoy a lot of the set pieces; they look beautiful. The story is very well written. The direction is very well done, along with you know a lot of other in the in the line of Sam. Ramey horror films 
It's got a good balance of jump scares and disturbing parts. And it also has a lot of things in it that'll make you laugh and that you can kind of laugh along with and, and have a good time. I would really like to see more of, of Sam Raimi in the horror genre. Well, you know what? You can see more. It's He's gone over to TV, though. It's more of uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Uh, he directed yeah, at, at least one episode of that, which, if you haven't seen that, that, that was a pretty good show. I enjoyed that. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. I, I kind of want to check it out. It's fun. If if you like that universe, you'll definitely like Ash versus Evil Dead. But as for this movie, Drag Me to Hell, uh, man, I really enjoy it. I think it's one of Sam Raimi's... You know what? I think it's his best movie. Yes, I think it's his best directed, but I, you know, this is my favorite of his films. Uh, I like this. I like Simple Plan a lot. I like Spider-Man 2 a lot. And yeah, I like the first Evil Dead 2 movies. Those are probably my favorites. Ah, man, this one is so good. This is such a strong entry. Um, it gives you exactly what you want. You know, movie called Drag Me to Hell. You get the supernatural. The lighting's good. The music's good. It just it just works. It's it's really well done. It's got a lot of you know stylistic flourishes, but they're good as well. You know, I mean, I think they work for the film, not against it. Sam Raimi he is a little over the top, but I, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. It, it's unique to him, and you know, you know when you're watching a Sam Raimi movie. And man, I I'm, I'm with you, Paul. Like, yes, you did so, some small screen horror stuff, but I I would like to see him return return to the big screen. Maybe outside of the Evil Dead franchise. I mean, I'd like to see him do, do something original. Yeah, I, I would definitely like to see that as well. That makes two of us. <laughs> All right, guys, with that, um, we're going to wrap up this show here. If you guys want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, you know, if we got something wrong and you want to call us idiots, feel free. And you can direct those emails to the movie crew, crew spelled C R E W E, extra E at the end, at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can also check out our film Girl in Woods on iTunes. It's on Amazon, DirecTV, Comcast, wherever you get your VOD content. Go watch it. You know, help us out. You know, we 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 would like to make another movie. So you know, watch this movie so we can do that. All right, guys. So like always, we're gonna close out a little bit of this show with uh, some awesome music. You know, we we like to do that. It's important to. Listen to some of the great work that the composers do. So we are closing out the show tonight with a little bit of Christopher Young's soundtrack to Drag Me to Hell. Enjoy. Enjoy.